Welcome to the Why It Works podcast. I'm Joe Kwan, your host. Together, we'll pull back the curtain to reveal the hidden principles behind why things work. Things work for a reason. Let's find out why. I'm so excited to share I just released my online course. The Easy Peasy Public Speaking Makeover Series will not only help you overcome your fear, but will help you shine. The first module, Overcoming Your Fear of Public Speaking, is always free. In addition, the first 100 people to sign up to my mailing list will receive the entire six-module course for free. If you are willing to improve in this area, just click on the link in the show notes or go to www.connectioncounselor.com. But hurry, the promotion ends on January 31st. See you in class. Here with us today is Zach Messler, a leader in helping entrepreneurs and growing tech companies know what to say and how to say it so they can make a bigger impact on the world and their wallets. Zach spent 20 years focused on product marketing for B2B tech, teaching non-technical sales pros to explain complex software to executive buyers. About a year ago, he left the corporate world for good so he could help more people. We speak to Zach from his home in the D.C. metro area. Welcome, Zach, to the Why It Works podcast, and thank you for being here. Hey, Joe. Thanks so much. Super happy to be here. So we have quite a few professional friends in common, and many of them run their own businesses, either full-time or as a substantial part of their work portfolio. And I know you worked in corporate America for some time, and I still do. KPMG is a great place to work, by the way. Uh, What is something new that you've learned since leaving corporate America that you incorporate into your business today? Well, sure. That's That's a really good question. So I left corporate America a little over a year ago, about uh, about 15 months ago or so. And I spent 20 years there. So the, the thing that I've learned is that I am my only competition. And it took, me, it took me almost this whole year, almost the whole 15 months to figure that out. There are tons of marketers out there. There are tons of people focused on messaging. And I was looking at them and seeing all this amazing stuff that they're putting out. And it was just, it grates on you. And so what I realized was, well, wait a second, I'm not really competing with these people. There's more than enough business to go around. The person that I'm really competing with is me. And if I focus on my competition in that part, in that, from that part, I look at me, then every day I'm doing something to beat my competition, to beat me, I'm getting better. And then I'm delivering something better to my clients. I'm delivering something better out to the market. And I'm delivering a, a better, crisper message out to people that may want to work with me. So that's the lesson. Yeah, I think that's a, a super great lesson we could all learn from. It's, uh, it's very Star Wars. I know you're a fan of Star Wars from your t-shirt. There's, a, there's definitely a great kind of um, tradition of, uh, of thinking that way. And I think it's great that uh, you realize that and have put that into action. Yeah, thanks. Let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us what you do, but explain it to us as if you're speaking to a five-year-old. Sure. So I help people mostly entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, sales professionals, and marketers know what to say and how to say it so they make a bigger impact on the world and their wallets. That's what I do. 
So what to say and how to say it. And so there's an impact. And, and why do you think people need more expertise in, in, in that area? Because especially when you're trying to explain something that's complex okay. or explain something that you're really close to. Yeah. You get in the weeds. You're, not, you're never really sure how, what to say, the right way to say something that's going to engage somebody. And it's hard to do. And we're taught from very, very early on, you're taught to communicate in a certain way based on, I can't tell you what that is. It's based on your upbringing. It's based on your schooling. It's based on your experience. And these days, when you're trying to talk about, explain a product, an offering, a solution, whatever, when you're trying to explain that sort of thing, if you're talking about it the way that works for you, you're not engaging with your audience. It's not about you anymore. It's about them. Right, right. So that, that correct focus or lens is, is an area where you can really help people. Absolutely. Understand. Absolutely. It's about three things. I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit, but it's about being clear. So, you know, what, what am I talking about? Is it understood by my audience? It's about being compelling. Can I grab attention and hold on to it? And it's about being convincing. Can I cause someone, based on my words, based on my, what I, my communication that I put out there, can I compel someone to act and do the thing I want them to do? Clear, compelling, convincing. Three Cs. Great. Well, I am so happy you're here today to talk about the topic of communication. And let me tell you why. In talking to you earlier and through seeing your writing and videos, I got the sense that you understand that real communication, effective communication, takes place beyond the piece of paper or the screen. There's a lot of intentional thinking that needs to happen before the first word is spoken or the first frame is shot. And I'm a big believer that most poor communication happens in this space. How did you come to develop your approach to truly effective communication? Well, sure. So I spent 20 years doing product marketing for B2B technology companies. And in product marketing, you are the bridge, you're the conduit between the product, the developers, the engineers, and the market and the prospects and the, and the clients and everything in between. So in the organization, I was that conduit between the product organization and the sales organization. And then, and sales organization, of course, is the front lines talking to the customers, talking to the market. So I'm not a technical guy at all, but I had to translate. It's a translation role. And to be able to translate all this technical stuff into something that a, an executive level audience or even a non-technical level audience can understand, I had to understand it myself. And so... This is kind of in the clear, clear piece, but I came up with a methodology. It's, it's really just methodologies making it way too complex. It's three questions. And I asked myself three questions. What is it? And this is for everything. This is for the product. This is for all of the features. This is mapping everything out. What is it? What does it do? And why does it matter? Why does it matter to whoever the audience is that I'm trying to communicate this thing to? And it's a little more nuanced than that. Than that. Sure. Um, and it, it, it's super simple, but it can be kind of difficult. 
because what is it? Okay, well, like I, I've said this before a lot. Like, what is this? What is it? It's a glass. Glass, yeah. Well, no, it's a. It is a hollow cylindrical piece of glass. That's what is it? You know, what does it do? It holds seltzer or holds liquid. Why does it matter? Well, when you're on a podcast and you want to take a drink because you're talking a lot, you know, you want to, you don't want to come across as kind of rude. You don't want to just, you know, swig something right from the bottle. So you have this glass and you pour it in. That's why it matters. So when I applied that, when I first started doing this, I did it for me. And then I, I built this guide, I put it out, and salespeople started saying, oh my God, this is, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I totally understand this. You've, you've taken this complex product and you've distilled it into the essence of things that I get this, I can talk about this now. And that's when I knew I was onto something. So that, that partially answers your question. I have a feeling we'll get to some more things later on in the discussion. Absolutely. That's great. I love how you connect the pieces for people. So let's take a look at some irreverent communication. I'll put my mic on mute so you don't hear me laughing. Something else we have in common, flying on the airlines and listening to the airlines announcements and trying to pretend to ourselves that the language they're using is really English. Doesn't seem like it to me. Whole thing starts when you get to the gate. First announcement. We would like to begin the boarding process. <laughs> Extra word, process. Not necessary. Boarding is enough. We'd like to begin the boarding. Simple, tells the story. People add extra words when they want things to sound more important than they really are. Boarding process. Sounds important. It isn't. <laughs> it's just a bunch of people getting on an airplane. People like to sound important. Weathermen on television talk about shower activity. Sounds more important than showers. I even heard one guy on CNN talk about a rain event. I swear to God. He said, Louisiana's expecting a rain event. I thought, holy I hope I can get tickets to that. Emergency situation. News people like to say, police have responded to an emergency situation. No, they haven't. They've responded to an emergency. We know it's a situation. Everything is a situation. Anyway, as part of this boarding process, they say, we would like to pre-board. Well, what exactly is that, anyway? What does it mean to pre-board? You get on before you get on? That's another complaint of mine. Too much use of this prefix pre. It's all over the language now. Pre this, pre that. Place the turkey in a preheated oven. It's ridiculous. There are only two states an oven can possibly exist in, heated or unheated. So what can we learn from George Carlin's biting observations? I love it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, simplicity is important. And you hear it all the time, but being simple is a good thing, especially when it comes to communication. You know, I talked about that, that process that I came up with, or, or process is probably a bad word again, but I did it before when I said methodology, but those questions, right? Those questions were about making things simple. And if you can get to the essence of something, and if you can communicate the essence of something, in as few words as possible, in a simple way, then it's 
going to be remembered and it's going to be able to be repeated. It's kind of like when you asked me up front, so tell me what you do like you're talking to a five-year-old. It's the same idea for anything. If you want something to be remembered, it has to be short. It has to be simple. It makes it easier to be repeated. Well, what I think what's so powerful about what you're saying, Zach, is it doesn't happen often. And I'm curious for your thoughts, what are the sort of barriers or, or mental potholes that we fall into that cause us to express things more in a more complex manner than we otherwise um, need to? Part of it, I think, is people want to, people are afraid and people mm. want to sound smart. You want yeah. to sound smart. You don't want to seem dumb. And that, that was a barrier for me with this whole thing. I didn't, for years and years, I didn't put out there this idea of what is it, what does it do, why does it matter? Because it's so simple. Everybody can do it. Why, why wouldn't you? Like, of course, you know, I think that it's the same reason why in corporate world, a lot of people don't speak up in meetings because they, they worry about what people are going to think. But the fact is, if you get into the weeds and you're talking complexity, people aren't going to understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And if your audience doesn't understand what you're saying, especially today, you're just noise and then you're forgotten and you're, you're invisible. The thing that's uh, maddening to me, because just in my day-to-day communications, I, I, I try to do what you're talking about. It's a lot easier just to vomit a whole lot of words on a piece of paper and be done with it and not do any editing. It actually takes a lot of time and energy and it's kind of painful to really distill it down to the essence. Is, is that something you found in, in your work and also your work with clients? For sure. A hundred percent. Because, because you're used to it. If you were used to doing things more simply, the pop, 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 call it precision communication. If you were more used to precision communication, you'd be able to do it. And it's one of these things I've been doing this for, like I said, 20 years. I think I came up with this idea of the three questions about 15 years ago mm-hmm. to the point where now it's more or less second nature. But before then, I was one of those marketers too. Absolutely, 100%. Let's take a look at a car commercial. It's, it's always fascinating to me that uh, sometimes you can spend a lot of money on something and still not have you know, still have it not be a particularly uh, effective means of communication. So this is a bit of a blast of the past, and let's take a look. The Lexus RX has already earned the admiration of the world. But now that the new RX 350 is even more powerful, it's no wonder that for some, envy has turned into obsession. Introducing the new 270 horsepower RX 350 from Lexus. Putting the world on notice yet again. What did we just see, Zach? I love that ad. I love that <laughs> ad, and I love it for for I love it because I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so explain. It, it's it's um, so that ad is it it's from um it's from a while ago. Right, that ad is from I want to say 2004, 2005. I don't remember 2006. It's it's before the it's the pre iPhone era. And the problem with that ad is who's it about? It's all about Lexus, mm. and and that's fine if you're looking for a Lexus. But if you're not already interested in in that Lexus RX, then 
there's nothing in it for you for you at all. There's nothing in it for you. So it's too specific in 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 a way. It doesn't connect it's, with enough people. It's it's for Lexus. It's turned inward. Uh, you know, it's not outward. So the the thing is, back in two thousand seven, the iPhone came out, and and these things became more universal. Uh-huh. And when that happened, what happened was everyone, everyone, no right. matter what your, no matter who you are everyone who who's using one of these things you became more self-sufficient you became more insular it became more about you because you're not reliant anymore on that car company to tell you how awesome their car is you can go figure it out yourself and you can make your own opinion so now that type of ad today and they're still all over the place Mm. um and it's not just car ads i always love i love looking at car ads just because you can learn a lot about communication, no matter what you're trying to communicate, no matter what you're trying to market or sell, you can learn a ton from car ads. But this one in particular, it's, it's all about Lexus. So again, if I'm not looking for that product already, then why do I care about this? It's just noise. And it's annoying. It's the, oh, that, that announcer in 2005 or 2006 was kind of cool. But now today he's really kind of not. <laughs> oh, the Lexus! He's <laughs> kind of gross. Now I know this isn't um, uh, the main area that you that you play in, but you got me thinking when you're talking about the turn inwardly. Um, what are your thoughts on how this plays out in terms of, of your interpersonal communications, right? So, you know, you and uh, a lot of our colleagues are, you know, professional entrepreneurs. And I can kind of see that happening too, where you're talking to someone maybe face to face, but you're kind of doing the same thing. It's, it's all turned inward about you, how great I am, what I've done. How have you seen that play out or, or what's the impact on well, more interpersonal? Think about it. Think about it today. When you're talking to someone, and all they do is talk about themselves and how great they are. How do you yeah. feel about them? I feel like they're a bit of a windbag. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Whereas the people that take notice of you, that, that outwardly are caring about you, are communicating in a way where it's, it's a real dialogue. And it's not just I'm telling you all about me. I'm the best. Ooh, look at me. Mm-hmm, Nobody mm-hmm. cares about you anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. Even in a, even in, in a communication whatever you want to get out of that communication, it's so important to take your audience's perspective. And if you take your audience's perspective, it's going to change how you approach it. You're going to talk to, you're going to, I'm going to have a conversation with you very differently. You, Joe from KPMG, very differently. If we're, if I'm trying to sell you something, for example, Mm -hmm. my conversation with you, Joe from KPMG is going to be very different than the conversation that I have with, Maxine from this is my small company.com. I mean, it's, right, it's right. just, it's a, it's a different conversation. You're totally different people. You have totally different circumstances. You have totally different cares and how I express my, my thoughts, how I express my offering and the value of it is going to be different based on you. Absolutely. So it's not like you're selling to the world. Like, as you're coming up with concepts, there has to be a specific target in mind, which allows you to, to, to do that. A hundred percent. And this is why you hear advice all the time that you have to, when you're selling stuff, pick your niche, know your niche, you know, and, and you hear people say, know your audience. 
So one of the things that, that I've said recently, I think I did some posts on this on social, is knowing your audience isn't good enough anymore. You have to be your audience. Mm. You have to have that perspective. If you're not your audience, if you, if you can be your audience, if you can think like them, mm-hmm. if you understand the challenges they have, if you understand the pains, if you understand what, what they love and what sets them on fire, like, yes, if you know those things because you've experienced them or you, 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 know, you become your audience, if you're your audience, then you can speak to them in a way that no one else can speak to them because you're a part of them. And it's the way to build trust in a nanosecond because you're using the words then and you're using the mannerisms that they already recognize. And you know, you're hitting it. You know, you're hitting it when you start getting emails back. Like, so, you know, I work with some entrepreneurs and, and when, when they, they start getting emails back, I know that they're doing it the right way when they start to get these emails that say, Oh my gosh, Joe, it's like you're in my head. (laughs) And and that's, you have become your audience when you hear that back. You know, I have a, I have a metaphor for you along those lines um, because I study Aikido and we do a bit of the physical and and it relates to the concepts that you're talking about. You know, a lot of times people are sitting across from the table with the person and it's like, I'm talking at you. I'm trying to convince you what you're describing is more like I'm standing next to you shoulder to shoulder, right? Seeing what you're seeing from the same vantage point or perspective. I mean, obviously we can't become one person, but it's, it's, it's the similar concept. The closer you are to seeing what they see that you can really do some truly effective communication at that point. A hundred percent. And it's kind of the difference between a selling mentality and a helping Mm -hmm. mentality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if you become your audience, you're not selling them anymore. You're helping them because you truly understand it because you, you, you are them, you get it. And so you're not selling anymore. You're listening and you're helping. That's great. And I think it's a great segue into our next clip. So this one uh, has a bit of uh, imagery and music without the words to make a point. Um, Our audience, it's a short clip, but our audience won't be able to see it. So I'm going to ask you after it plays just to fill in any gaps for them. You can check on them. can worry about them. You can even choose a car for them. Honey, are you okay? I'm okay. Love. We're okay. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. Zach, take us through what we just saw and and what's important to understand about it. That's my favorite ad of all time. (laughs) So this is for a Subaru Forester. So like the Lexus, it's an SUV. Um, What you see when it starts out is you see it's all about parents checking on their kids. And so you, you see that throughout. And in the beginning... Right before you hear the music, you see somebody, you know, a parent, and they're peering into a basement or a, a 
a living room that might be downstairs a little bit and they're looking at their kid. And then you see another kid, you know, coming and asking to take the keys to the car and the parents talking and you see just all these different people checking on their kids. There's a guy uh, in a forester looking, looking up his sons at football practice and he's looking up and he's watching his kid. But the thing about this ad, it starts with you. It's not about the forester anymore. It's about you. And it's not even about you. It's about the safety of your kids. Mm. So, you know, it's, you can check on them. You can worry about them. You can check on them. I don't remember the exact words. You can even choose a car for them. And at that point, when it says, and you heard the accident, you can even choose a car for them. The, the far, boom, there's this crash mm. and the screen goes white. And you hear, honey, are you okay? And you hear this little bit squeaky voice. I'm okay. Love. It's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. It's not about Subaru. It's about the safety of your kids. That's the difference between, it's a perfect contrast for, with, between that ad, this ad, which is all, what do you care about? What's, what's this about? It's about what you care about. It's about the safety of your kids. That's compelling. That's for Subaru's target audience, which is parents of kids, you know, families, young kids. That's perfect. It's not about the car. It's about the safety of the kids. Contrast that with the Lexus ad that we watched before. What's that about? It's about the Lexus RX350 putting the world on notice yet again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's, there's no comparison. Now, Lexus has... That was an old ad. It just won't work as well today. And Alexis has done ads that are more similar to the Forrester ad. Mm -hmm. And, and some companies do that. Some, but car, I love car ads because car ads are great barometer because they still, so many of them still focus in on the features of the car. You know, it's, it's the, the Corinthian leather type stuff, you know, like, Oh, love the Corinthian leather, (laughs) (laughs) but Corinthian leather doesn't sell anymore. Nobody cares about the Corinthian leather, (laughs) leather. They care about, they care about what the safety, the safety of my kids or, or maybe it's not the safety of your kids. Maybe it's the, that rush you get when you're going around the bend at 60 miles an hour and the winds in your hair, it's more experiential. It's, it's, you know, Lexus, I think of, we, we're not going to look at this ad, but there's another Lexus ad that came out around the same time uh-huh. as that Forrester ad for also the RX350. And it's the, the theme of it is live the life. And it's, it's following around um, a, a, a chauffeur. So uh, Jude Law gets out of the car and the chauffeur gets his keys and you're seeing it from the chauffeur's perspective. Like you're, you're, it's first person. Mm-hmm. And and you see him he's driving and then he goes to some big party and then he's at a pool and it's and the whole theme of it is it's this raucous music going. And then he comes back and he gives the keys to Jude Law and Jude Law takes his jack the valet's jacket out of the car and throws it at him. And then the 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 theme of it, the the tagline is live the life. Mm-hmm. And so what's that about? It's not about the RX three fifty. It's about, hey, you deserve this amazing life. Mm. Totally different. Totally different. Again, than putting the world on notice yet again. Because it's not about Lexus. It's about their audience. Well, what's fascinating to me about what you're saying is, you know, whether it's a Lexus or a Subaru or a Toyota or whatever type of car, 
cars are all cars and they all have somewhat similar attributes, right? Some are faster, some are slower, some are, but it, it's more about like making that decision or like, what are we going to focus on? Right? Like, what is our message going to be? It's, it's not like, it's not like Lexus couldn't talk about safety or, you know, fuel efficiency or whatever it is. It's really an intentional choice that, that they or their um, sort of uh, advertising agency is, is making. A hundred percent. But, and this is not, this is where it's not limited to cars. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't work with anybody that does TV ads. I don't Mm -hmm. work with any car companies, Mm -hmm. but what this is, this is branding. This is, it's marketing. This is what is its positioning is really what it is. Mm -hmm. What is, what is that core attribute that you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. And it's understanding your audience, the audience that you're going after. If Lexus is going for safety, they're going after the wrong audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they're a premium brand. They're, they're you know, more expensive than a Subaru. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be going after the same audience. Mm. People are not buying a Lexus for the same reason they're buying a Subaru. Yeah. And what I love about that, and um, this came out in a uh, discussion I was having with someone, it might have been on the podcast uh, earlier, is that it's not necessarily the product that drives what you say. Sometimes it's the people that drive what you say about the product, or sometimes even the product that you develop is based on who you're trying to serve. It's, it's sort of a, you, you flip it around to what a lot of people do, like what's our product, who do we sell it to? That's, that's very different. I think Steve yeah, Jobs- Yeah, well, said, it's, it's the difference too, it's the difference too bet- between being sales-driven and being market-driven. Mm-hmm. Yes. And companies and, and entrepreneurs that are market driven as opposed to sales driven will see more success because what they're doing is they're addressing the needs of a market. They're not developing something and then trying to find the market and then trying to convince people that they need this thing. That's being sales driven. They're not focused on the features. They're not focused on the capabilities. They're not even focused on the benefits of their product. They're focused on their audience and they're focused on the market. It's very, very different from the, the traditional, you know, feature benefit model, five P's or four P's or whatever it is. I never went to business school, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 very, it's very different from the formal marketing training that either used to exist, maybe it still exists in business schools. It's very, very different. Great. Well, really poor communication can make you want to pull your hair out. Uh, Luckily, I don't have any left to pull out on top of my head. But let's take a look at an area where communication can be especially frustrating to people. Technology. Hey, Jimmy? Yeah. What's the new Wi-Fi password? Uh, it's four words, all uppercase. Cool. What's the uh, first word? Uh, no, it's just that. It's one word, all uppercase, four words, all uppercase. What? Is it one word or four words? It's four words, all uppercase, but it's one word, all uppercase. Yeah, they're super easy. I understand what's wrong. Super easy. So I'm typing F-O-U-R-W-O-R-D-S, all caps. No, no, no. It's one word, all lowercase. It's like any other Wi-Fi password. No! It's one word. You said there were four words. There is four words. Dude, I'm gonna grab that router and just beat you to death. Wait, what network am I even connecting to? Rocket Jump 5G. What? Uh, I'm done. I'm gonna type O 
No, it's four words, all uppercase. Four words, Jimmy! Not words, word! It's four words, all uppercase, one word, all lowercase! <laughs> so what just that. happened here? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. It's not clear. It's not clear. It's not clear. And it's super clever. <laughs> super clever. That's like, that's like who's on first, you know? Like, yeah, totally. Great. I love that. Well, what I find fascinating is it's not clear to the people who are asking, but to the person who's saying, it seems totally clear. There's like a total disconnect here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And he's not taking the perspective of his audience. And his audience is getting frustrated. Mm-hmm. And he's getting frustrated. And it, he doesn't know how to explain it any better. So why, why do you think, I mean, and I think this happens all the time to all of us, right? We're all victims of this. What, what is it? What is the trap that we fall into? Why do we fall into this trap more often than not? And what have you found helps people kind of wake up and, and, and get out of that trap to their benefit? So it's, it's a combination of a lot of the stuff we've already talked about, really. Mm-hmm. I think that you get close to things, even your own opinion. You dig in and you get close to things. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to see others' perspective of what you're saying. When you take that, that perspective and look at what you're saying from your audience, from the outside in, you can get that perspective. That's one. Two, it's also about making things a little more simple. Now, that was a pretty simple password. Um, he probably could have explained it a little differently. <laughs> like, for example, if he took the perspective of his audience, he could have started by saying, hey, um, they, what's, the, what's the Wi-Fi password? Well, I'm going to tell it to you, but hold on a second, because it's really kind of confusing. But I purposefully made it confusing so that that people would have a tough time figuring it out. Right. If he had just said that up front, uh-huh. level set like that, and then explained it and, and said, it is. So I'm going to say the password right now. And then even used air quotes. So yeah. there's their understanding. He could have said four words, all uppercase. And then he could have said, now that's the password, but write it, write it in all, or, you know, type it in all lowercase. So the password itself is literally four words, all uppercase, spelled out in one word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if he had said that, then that truly entertaining video never would have been a thing. <laughs> Cut short. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I find fascinating uh, on this point and a lot of the other points that, that we've been covering together, Zach, is that there's this sense of how much responsibility you have for the communication, right? I mean, a very typical point of view, and I think this is most people's point of view, it's more like 50-50, right? I'm speaking the same language as you. I'm speaking in words you can understand. And if you don't understand it, you've dropped the ball. So you lost your 50. I gave my 50. And I don't have to give any more. But what I'm hearing from you, it's more like it's 90 to 100% the speaker's responsibility to get that communication across. And, and that's what leads to truly effective communication. I don't know that I'd use the word responsibility mm-hmm. 
And at the same time, I completely agree with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you want your communication to be effective, if you want to be perfectly understood, you understand your audience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You are, you become your audience. If, if, if you can communicate in a way that your audience can understand mm -hmm. that, that compels them to, to do something because mm -hmm. they like what they're hearing or, uh, you know, they, well, when they understand it, right? Two, it's interesting to them. And three, it's in their words and terms. It's in, in the way that, that they speak and they hear and they, if you communicate that way, then you're going to be heard and people are going to act the way you want them or take the action that you want them to take. Now, what are some things that people can do and how do you help people get a little bit closer to becoming their audience, right? So, so you, you take sure. someone they're working with you because they have this problem, right? Because they can't sure. do it themselves. They need to move from point A to B where they're like, I'm just seeing Joe's perspective, but I need to see Zach's perspective. How can we move from point A to point B? Sure. So it's, it truly is about doing the work. It's doing mm -hmm. the research. Most, what I've found is most people, they, they don't do the research. They, they say, oh, I know my audience but they don't actually do the work to know their audience. Mm. So like, for example, I have, uh, I have an advisory service called the sounding board. Okay. And really what the sounding board, I might be getting ahead of myself now, but, but what the sounding board is, is it's ask me anything about messaging, about marketing, unlimited questions, unlimited answers in a month. And then we deep dive on whatever you want for a couple hours a month. That's the sounding board. The way I came to the name uh -huh. is I spoke to 129 entrepreneurs. And I said to them, this isn't a sales call. Some of them I knew, but some of them I didn't. I put uh -huh. something up on LinkedIn. Hey, I'd like to speak with people. And I, I said, I have one thing that I'm trying to figure out, I'm just to, going to explain something to you and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then I said, pretty much without calling it the sounding board, because I didn't have that name at that point, I explained my service. This is what I'm looking to do. What do you think of that? Open-ended. Mm -hmm. And 70 something percent of them, I, I have the number, I don't remember what it was. 70 something percent of them said, oh, you mean like a sounding board? <laughs> yes. You yes, knew it. That's exactly what I mean. Uh-huh. So so that's what I mean about doing the work. I called 129 people. Yeah, no small task. Who does that? Nobody yeah. does that. Some people do that. Very few people do that. That's doing the work. Doing the work could be I have a spreadsheet and I'm asking questions online and I'm writing down what people are saying. Or I'm searching. I'm searching in my audience. I know my audience goes on this particular site and I'm in on this site and I'm looking at comments or I'm, I know they're in this group in Facebook. So I'm going on that group and I'm engaging and I'm understanding more and I'm diving in and I'm recording that. I'm, I'm putting that in a spreadsheet. I'm making notes on a, on a paper. I'm, I'm getting that information and that, that intel so that I can use that when I'm coming up with whatever it is I'm coming up with. That's exactly what I did with Sounding Board. Well, Zach, what I really like that I'm getting from what you're telling me is in addition to the hard work you put into it, there's a certain humility 
that you need to have, right? Like it's very easy to be arrogant to say, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. I know what it is, 20 years, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to name it myself. But there's like a real humility that it took for you to say, you know what? Maybe other people know something that I don't know. And to ask those people and say, look, you know, you might know something really good. Can you share it with me? And, and that gave you something really great, which is, you know, the sounding board name. But that doesn't happen if you don't kind of, if you're too proud to do it or feel that you know everything and no one else has anything to offer you. That's the difference between inward and outward. Mm. If I'm looking inward, then yeah, I name it whatever I want and this is it. That's the difference between sales focused and market focused. If I'm market focused, then my opinion doesn't matter. It may be interesting, right. but it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I'm not buying my service. And so I want the words that I put forth about my service to be embraced by my audience, by the market that I'm selling into. If I use my words, that doesn't work. It doesn't work unless I am my audience. If I'm my audience and I use my audience's words, I mean, it's the greatest. If, <laughs> there's an ad on here. So I'm, I'm outside DC. I don't know if this is a national company or not. It might be. There's an ad that's on the radio all the time and it's for a, um, a mortgage lending company, a refinance. And the guy goes, you know, I don't remember who it's for, but he goes, it's the biggest no brainer in the history of earth. That's what he says. <laughs> And that's kind of like how I look at this. It's the biggest no-brainer in the history of earth. Because if you're trying to sell something to someone, right, you're selling into a market, how are you going to engage with that market? How are you going to, how are you going to get people to want what you have? Now, common, you know, common perception is uh, my product's awesome. I'm going to talk all about my product. It's great. Everybody's going to want it. Sure. But because of what we talked about before with the iPhone and in how people become more insular. Nobody gives a crap about your product. Nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about your product. Nobody cares about the awards or any of that stuff on their own. They don't care. What do they care about? They care about them. They care about themselves. They care about their families. They care about their jobs. They care about their, you know, they care about whatever their car, their dog, their stuff, their, they care about whatever they care about. At any particular time, it is not about you. It is not about what you care about. It is about what your audience cares about, period, end of story. Great. Now, before we go to our last video, I'm going on record saying I'm stealing your inward-outward concept. I, I think it's brilliant. going to use that. Um, so my wife always makes fun of me that I'm such a sucker for infomercials, and I'm not really allowed to watch them anymore. <laughs> but... <laughs> For the, for the purposes of this podcast, let's take a look. What's holding you back from purchasing a cordless vacuum? When I think of a cordless vacuum, I tend to think of not good suction. A cordless vacuum would not work for my messes. I feel like it might not be getting everything up off the floor. You can never trust if the battery is going to last long. I'm afraid that you know, I'll start cleaning and then it'll burn out. Shark heard your concerns and set out to solve those problems. Now, Shark redefines what cordless can be with Shark's most innovative cleaning technology yet on a vacuum that challenges current limitations with unbound freedom, unquestionable control, 
Cree. It's a huge game changer. It gives you so much power and suction. I love it. It really has changed the way that we clean our home. It's incredible. Never would I have thought a cordless vacuum would have been able to clean my entire house. I would call this revolutionary. It is the greatest, greatest vacuum I have ever owned in my life. Yeah, it's awesome. Introducing the all-new Shark Ion Flex 2X, the world's first freestanding corn fleet with Duo Clean technology. Having the freedom to move around the house without being bound by a cord is amazing. Totally like exceeded my expectations when it came to a cordless vacuum. It's definitely set the bar. Normal vacuum, Ion Flex. Whoa, Natalie. It's seriously that good. The new Shark Ion Flex shatters the limitations of cordless vacuums. With the creation of Shark Ion technology, the new Ion Flex gives you the ideal combination of a high-speed multi-phase motor and a high-capacity lithium battery system to deliver pure, raw suction power. I was very surprised to see the suction power of this vacuum. The suction on the Shark is it's very powerful. It actually picked up more than I thought it was going to pick up. It's amazing. It really is. The suction power was awesome. You're definitely not giving up any suction, that's for sure. So I think this infomercial wins the award for most uses of the word suction. <laughs> <laughs> I think you watch it, know that it has good suction. It's just a guess. Suction. <laughs> so, so what, what, what's awesome. going on here, Zach? What, what are we seeing here? So many things. Oh my gosh, so many things. So, first off, infomercials are a great thing to study because, as you said, you're a sucker for infomercials. So many people are a sucker for infomercials, and it's because they use a lot of just techniques. Mm. Um, for example, three in particular that I jotted okay. down when we were watching that. Um, first off, they set up contrast. They set up the contrast between here's the problem and here's the solution. Mm. And they went back and forth a couple times. They tacked back and forth. That's incredibly powerful because it's like, it's almost like looking at here's how things are, here's our reality, and here's how they could be. And when you go back and forth, you're, you're stimulating the brain. You're getting people to see, oh, I have that problem. And I could have this here, which would kill. And so that leads to number two, which is social proof. Uh -huh. This wasn't just the announcer in the beginning. If they started out in the beginning, like they did kind of towards the middle of going, it's unbound this and uncompromising this and unstoppable <laughs> that. If they started doing that and talking about the, the technology of it and why it's so great or how it's so great up front, then it, you wouldn't ever want to buy it. But what they've done is they started with real people talking about, hey, what do you think of cordless vacuums? Well, I think they suck. Boom, boom. I think they're horrible. I think they're the worst. And then you see, the, then you see people... You know, you, they talk through it, and they, you, you get a lot of the words. We talked about the words of your audience. You have the words of the audience coming right back at you, their target audience, and is literally the words of their audience in the voice of their audience. Well, I don't, I don't like cordless vacuums because fill in why they don't like cordless vacuums here. And wait, that's why I don't like cordless vacuums. Oh. And so they're pulling you in. Because they're saying, you know, they're appealing to you 
and to your mindset. And then they're saying, well, hold on a second. Not all cordless vacuums are what you think. There's this better way. And it's this shark ion. And then they have people talking about the shark ion. Oh my God, it's the greatest vacuum I've ever had. Well, wait a second. It's a cordless vacuum. How's that possible? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> and, that's, and that's why it works. And then and, and number three is, that's, that is number three. Number three is connecting the dots. So this is product marketing, really. That's what this is. This is product marketing. It is connecting those dots from the problem or the pains and the solution and the product. Pains of the market, solution to that problem to the product. It's connecting all those dots. And that's why when they start talking about the features, you have that context. And I mean, it's kind of cheesy. I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't ever suggest to any of my clients to do an infomercial <laughs> right, right, right. like that, unless they were totally making fun of infomercials and themselves, because that can work beautifully. Right. But, you know, it's kind of cheesy, but it works. If it didn't work, None of these infomercials would exist, but that's why it works. What I'm hearing from you, and it's kind of been a theme running through our discussion today, is that in order to, let's just call it, um, change someone's mind or behavior, you know, it's, it's not necessarily about selling or getting someone to do something, but in order to take them from like they were here and, and you know, to move them over here, what I've been hearing from you is you have to really meaningfully connect with that person first, right? You could have the thing that's going to save them, make the money, lose weight, whatever. It could be the best product in the universe. But if you haven't connected with them, if they don't trust you, you're not, they're not changing anything, brother. A hundred percent. hundred percent. You see this on LinkedIn all the time. You know, you connect with someone and then you get that, that message. Oh, hey, I have this great product and you should want it. So what do you think? <laughs> you know, Block. Like, oh, exactly. Exactly. Or, but it's, it, it's, it's even more than that. Like, I remember there's this, um, I'm still connected with her, but there was this woman who was selling a, a way to do sales calls for okay. entrepreneurs. And she started out, and it started out fine. Uh -huh. Oh, it's nice to connect with you. This is what I do. Let me know if I can help you. You know, I'm yeah. always, blah, blah, blah. it was great. She sure. interacted on my stuff. It was great. Mm -hmm. And then she said, she had a question. Hey, Zach, if I, if I ha could send you a, a document that could teach you my process to blah, 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 is that something that you'd be interested in? Sure. That's great. Okay. okay. And I got it. Um, excuse me. That happened a couple times, and then I got an email that said, or a, a, an email that said something along the lines of, "Hey Zach, if you could invest this much money, um, and I could teach you how to make that money in less than a month, would you be interested?" Like, oh, you just lost me, man. Yeah. You just lost me. So what she did is she's building trust or trying to build trust, but she's sales driven. She's not market driven. She's not trying to understand my problems. She's not trying to talk about my issues. She's not having an open dialogue. She is clearly following her 
step, her process, which is exactly the process that she's trying to sell me. And all of a sudden, I feel like a fool. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I said, and I said back, I said, you know, I have to tell you so and so. That last one felt way too salesy for me. No uh-huh. thanks, not interested. Uh-huh. And that was the last email I ever got from her. <laughs> and that's that's awful too because if she had come back to me and said, "I'm so sorry. How do you think I could improve it?" Right. Like, Great. Awesome. Yeah. Then yeah. we're still having a dialogue. Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting to me about that, about that story, I think it's a great story, thanks for sharing that, is there are certain things initially that she was doing which were very good that you would want to do with someone even if you weren't selling something to them. But because, she, because her intention was to sell and, and not to get to know you or help you, that's why she blew it in, in, in the end. It wasn't necessarily the things that she was doing it was more what was behind it. Well, I think that's right. And it, it comes, I hate this word. I'm going to use it, but I hate mm. it only because I think it's overdone. It's about being authentic. Yes. And I think authentic is a buzzword now um, that's, uh, like I said, a little overused. But, but I had a, an interaction, it's actually with a prospect of mine right now. And mm-hmm. he's, he's a sales guy for a big company you've definitely heard of. Okay. And um, he dug in on some of my content, some of the stuff I've write, been writing. And mm-hmm. he said something to me, which was super interesting. And he said, mm-hmm. you know, as a sales guy, you're, you're, you're trying to sell. And there's always this mistrust of you because people are trying to figure out who you really are and what really your intentions are. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, what you're saying to me is I should just be myself. and." not worry about it. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. Be yourself and, you know, look at this as I'm trying to help this person. Because again, if you become your audience, if you understand the perspective of that audience, you know what what their challenges are deeply, you know what their motivations are on a personal and a professional level, you're no longer trying to sell them. You're trying to help them. And if you're trying to help them and you're doing it the way that you would help anybody because you're being yourself, then you're going to sell more stuff. You know, um, one thing I truly believe about what you're saying is if once you're able to do that, not that sales is ever easy and not that I'd ever be a good salesperson, but when you take that approach things become easier because you're no longer like imposing your will or having a separate agenda. You're actually just doing what the other person would do. And it becomes, uh, for lack of a better word, it becomes much lighter what you're doing. You're not pushing, shoving, pulling. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, it's the difference between sales in a pre iPhone world and sales in a post iPhone world Mm -hmm. because the buyer now is in control. The, your buyer, no matter who they are, your buyer is in control of that sale. And if you're still using the tactics that, and lots of salespeople use these, do this, oh, yeah. lots and lots. If you're still using the tactics that worked pre-2007, then odds are you're not doing as well as you could be. Sales is really, 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 really hard, by the way. <laughs> I, I've learned that firsthand. As a, you know, I, have, I have such a better appreciation for great salespeople now. Um, because now that I actually have to sell, yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's yeah, hard. Yeah. 
but but I I've found success really just practicing what I'm preaching, which is I'm I'm not I don't sell anymore at all. I started out selling. Sure. Um, I don't sell anymore. I help, and people either want to buy from me or they don't, and that's fine. I love that message, Zach. Helping people. <laughs> it's been a real treat to talk to you and hear about your expertise on communication. What updates or things that you're working on would you like to share with our audience and how can people get in touch with you? Sure. So I'm going to flip that around a little so you can get in touch with me either on LinkedIn, Zach Messler, Zach with an H. Uh, You can find me on ZachMessler.com. You can email me Zach at ZachMessler.com. What I'm working on right now is my advisory service. Really, I'm trying to get the word out, and I'm, I'm, it's called The Sounding Board. It's unlimited access to me, pretty much. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, this is the type of stuff that I help people with. Um, I, I do 30-minute consults, free 30-minute consultation. The way that this works is you have a challenge. We talk about it. I give you some advice, and then at the end, we just discuss if we think that moving forward with a business arrangement is something you want to do or not. And that's it. And it's, it's free. So it's, if, if you hire me, great. If you don't, great. I'm, I'm just looking to help. Thank you, Zach, for sharing your insights on why it works. Thanks so much, Joe. Really loved it. Like BMWs and driving, a great book to go with this podcast is If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? by Alan Alda. It explores the principles of effective communication that apply to acting, the office, and all points in between. To receive a free copy of If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? or another audiobook of your choice, just go to audibletrial.com slash whyitworks. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash whyitworks for your free audiobook. To support our show, please leave a rating or comment become a sponsor of why it works by going to www.patreon.com slash why it works that's www.patreon.com slash why it works thank you and remember the enemy of learning is boring Thanks for listening to this episode of Why It Works. For more information about Joquan Joe Coaching, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit joquanjo.com. And stay tuned for our next Why It Works adventure.